video coming to you from Calgary, Alberta. The first concert I went to here was Weird Al, and it was in a casino next to a bowling alley. Looking at a map, it must have been the Ace Casino Blackfoot on 42nd. I'm Nathan Rohr, formerly of the Westbrook EB Games, and I'm joined as always by Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Ryan here. That is amazing. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, it's a straight I, out of Linwood tour. <laughs> I just read a couple things. We, we're living in a time of big Weird Al like, news. Uh, Kid Rock just released a new song. Uh, mm-hmm. Where it's like, you can't tell me how to live is what it's called. And has the internet convinced that it's actually Weird Al who wrote this song for Kid Rock because it's such a parody. I can't tell if that's just a way of insulting Kid Rock. It's 100%. In a way. But it's also just like the best way because it's like the best, the, it's like the perfect parody of a Kid Rock song, but Kid Rock wrote it himself. Like, you have become a self parody. Yes. And yeah, I and saw Al's tweet about, like, just to be clear, that's actually Kid Rock. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. No, yeah. but I appreciate that because I also recently, there was like an uh, un- unearthing that, like, uh, forever, like, for a very long time, Weird Al kept asking Eminem if he could do, uh, like, a cover one of his songs. And Eminem has always said no. And there's been recent news that it's actually because he's terrified. Of like Weird Al doing a better job than what he could do with his own music. Well, there was the Couch Potato song. There was some weird beef with that one where that was going to be the lead single on Poodle Hat. And they were going to do a music video and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Eminem was like, no, you can't do a music video. Yes. <laughs> like, they kind of like sabotaged that a little. Well, it was but just like, the it's song like, exists. It's like one of the two but, things yeah. where it's like, is, does Eminem have a sensitive ego? Like, meaning like he can't be handled, be made fun of in like excellent ways that weird Al can make fun of somebody like mm. oh like just skewer your whole like way of doing things yeah. that oh. song exists though like the lose yourself parody yeah so. oh sure so the other one is i mean i keep coming like i'm i'm on tiktok and i get weird Al tiktok all the time which is great uh, oh, okay, another okay. one is like there's a story of like weird Al in the early days of the industry he like first time ever going to like an industry party he was going in he was so nervous he was talking about how like nervous he was going and like how he was like, I don't know anybody here. Am I, should I even be here? Like, I'm, I'm just a parody artist. Like, nobody really appreciates me. So he walks in, and then all of a sudden he hears from across the room somebody yelling, like, hey, hey, everybody, look, look, that's Weird Al Yankovic. He's, fi- he's here. And he looked over, and it was Paul McCartney. Okay. Being, like, excited <laughs> yeah. that Weird Al Yankovic was there. So That's an ego boost for sure. Yeah. So, but then yet it never got to his head because... The writer of the greatest James Bond song. <laughs> and anyway. That's true. But anyways... <laughs> yeah. Weird Al. I'm also a Weird Al fan. Sadly, never got to see him in theater in a uh, in concert. Uh, oh, I've seen him three times now, which is but... wonderful. Uh, yeah. Well, sorry. Sideline question: What's your favorite Weird Al album? Album. I do like Poodle Hat a lot. That's the first one that came to mind. Because um, I'm I think from that an was era just at an important juncture. I'm yeah. from an era where, like when I was a kid, like my perfect late early teens, late elementary era age was Bad Hair Day. Bad Hair Day is a big one. Uh, I also like Running with Scissors a lot. That was the like that kind of yeah. That was right after yeah. That's the uh, pretty fly 90s. for a, a white guy, right? Pretty fly for a rabbi. Uh, for a rabbi, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, I I like that All album the too. Say, but like I can literally, <laughs> I can I can when I because I know the Coolio song Gangsters Paradise. I can rap that whole song and I can go back and forth between that and the Amish Paradise. Like I know the lyrics. I know. To all of it. I only know Amish Paradise. Yeah. yeah, Coolio and him had some beef too, but apparently now that has been resolved. Coolio oh, sure. Now because Coolio is, is sad that like it. his song got like eclipsed, overshadowed. Because yeah. it's <laughs> I the don't same know if thing. That's like true. Lump, 
Lump by the United States, the President's United States of America. I didn't know that was a song. I heard Gump first, and I was like, so now I only know the song lyrics to Gump, and I don't know the song lyrics to Lump. So yeah, just summarizing that movie. For like <laughs> two minutes. Anyways, also Weird Al Yankovic fan, but mainly I'm here and I'm excited to watch movies with my friend Nathan. Thank you. Uh, this week we're looking at the third film in the original Planet of the Apes series, Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Uh, it was directed by Don Taylor. Uh, as we established, all of the subsequent ones are written by Paul Den, nice. uh, but he did this one too. Came out May 21st, 71. Cost $2.06 million <laughs> and made 12.3. I think that's the worldwide total, though, because there was another note saying 5.56 was the U.S. Yeah. So... Not as big as the previous two, but still profitable. Mm -hmm. um, let me just go through the summary here for, for us. Okay. In this film, three apes travel back in time to Earth in 1973. How is time travel possible, you ask? Well, to understand that, we would first need to podcast about Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Then we would need to take a step back and podcast about our podcast on Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Then podcast about our podcast about our podcast on Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and so on. Only once we ourselves have become part of the infinite audio landscape about this film could we comprehend how Doctors Cornelius, Zira, and Milo were able to achieve such a feat and kick off a series of events that will surely result in man's downfall. Infinite regression. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, this... I can't tell, and I can't tell if this is because it's just poorly written. So this movie literally was like the head of Fox, after Beneath did well at the box office, sent a note yeah. to Paul being like, uh, what is it? More like, apes. More, he's like, apes not dead, like, figure it out type of thing. Like, yeah. That's what the note was. <laughs> and it was like, okay. So it's like in my brain, I'm like, okay, so he's going to do this like time loop thing. There is no time loop. Like, I want to get that very clear. There is zero time loop in this situation. The This is, they've yeah, created actually, an alternate universe. I, I was thrown for a second there because I think everyone involved thinks there's a time loop going on. Yes. But we have the knowledge of subsequent films and also just, yeah, we can see that it's deviated from a, from a path. And they sort of touch on that as a thing that could have happened. Yeah. But I thought that got a visual aid and it doesn't the thing I just did with like the infinite painter. Or no, whatever. yeah, it was the infinite painter thing. Yes. Cause that's what like, the movie that tries gets to shown. But then he also mentions this infinite highway with infinite lanes and different things could happen in them and yes. shift. And it's like, that's more what might've happened. Like this is a parallel dimension now. Yeah. Because what, what we see timelines take place. What we see yeah. in future films. Cause the, the, the trilogy, the latest trilogy, like they want to be a prequel to planet of the apes. Um, with some like little bit of like time, like like we're gonna be thirty more years in the future, but um, yeah, yeah, they want to be Planet of the Apes because when Zira is describing like the first ape uprising, there are nods to conquest, but it is like almost a beat for beat what happens to Caesar and what they did intentionally for Rise of the Planet of the Apes with Caesar. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of a combination and it's also like the timeline's weird. Like Cornelius is talking about these scrolls he found in his archeological digs and he describes like this taking place over several centuries where like all the pets died out and then humans took on like 
like ape butlers and servants and then that eventually became a class warfare thing and they rose up but it takes place over like hundreds well, of that, years but that is what his scrolls say i wouldn't make the i would yeah. make the argument the scrolls put on are just by like wrong. yeah like it's just false history because in, in be, rise of the planet yeah. of the apes there's a virus that breaks out at the end that does also kill dogs oh and humans yeah. though right yeah yeah it's it's just a widespread like many like humanity is profoundly weakened yeah. by this thing that happens so i make yeah. the argument that like i don't think zira and cornelius are like the ancestors to themselves Oh, like because it's a splinter timeline. I think it's a or... splinter timeline. I, th- I don't think that. Yeah, they went I back mean, in time the ape they those. described is named Aldo, and then their their son is named Milo slash Caesar, I guess. And the second, okay, like the when next does movie. he get? He gets named Milo in like honor of Doctor Milo. In honor of Doctor Milo, who is uh, responsible for this amazing space okay, flight. Let's we'll that get happens. into that in a second. I was very confused about that yeah. because there's a poster of Escape from the Planet of the Apes. I must have missed the scene of that you just described, where it's like the poster says, "This is Baby Milo. The powers of the world don't want you to know he exists." And I'm like, "That's yeah. Caesar." Wait, when does he become Caesar? Caesar's a better name than Milo. Wait, do you guys I think get confused? Armando must name him that as like his pet name or something, okay. maybe, like, or like christens him that because or it's something. like of he's becomes he because he becomes part of the. Oh no, dude! I think there's a scene where he chooses what his name is. And he oh. chooses the name of a king kind gotcha. of thing. Like he's given a list of options or something like this. So he's Milo something for a lot like of this. that movie. The, he is, yeah. He's his real like parents given name is Milo, but we yeah, his revolutionary so, name <laughs> changes. So at the end of last week's episode, we sat here being like, How is how? How exactly yeah. is there a Like, sequel? how is Paul Den going to figure his way out of this one? Because so, they blew up the entire plan. <laughs> Paul cleverly, as if you want to use the cleverly, the word cleverly loosely, um, creates a third super intelligent ape called Dr. Milo, who yeah. is able to take the wreckage from beneath the planet of the apes and create... No, an- no, no. The original planet of the apes to give even more time. For oh, okay. That makes more it. sense. To yeah, then he was able to re, but that that ship was way more destroyed than the second one. Yep. Well, it was in water, so okay. they dried it out. So he was <laughs> able to make this spaceship work, and even though Cornelius and Zira had no idea what was going on, Milo was able to get into spaceship suits and get in the spaceship and leave beneath before everything went badly. Even though we never saw Milo as a character once, when okay, when I I was watching this movie. And the movie just opens in 1973, and it's like there is no reference to like the Earth blowing up or anything like that, other than until later where they talk about it. Yeah, you don't get to see it. No. They're also again trying to save money. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, and like the budgets keep going down <laughs> as we go. And the movie is like yeah. very much just like trying to get you to ignore those details because they don't have them figure out themselves. So when three of them come out, I'm like, oh okay, cool. It's Cornelius, it's Zira, and then it's uh, Zira or Cornelius's nephew from the first movie. Oh, Lucius. Yeah, yeah no. sure. It's a brand new ape we've never knew has existed because we needed him as a plot device only yeah. to have him killed Poor in the Lucius. first 20 minutes. I guess he was in ape jail from yeah. like the protest in the second movie or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they just didn't, they couldn't, they couldn't break him out enough time to nope. then escape. Man, the timeline for this, like obviously now on out, you definitely have a sense that Paul now has like a vision because this one ends on a cliffhanger that makes sense for the next movie. And there's references yeah. in this movie to the next movie. So now it's like it's like 
Paul made a movie. He made a sequel. He wrote a, a definitive ending. <laughs> and then the studio exec said, we need more of these. And Paul was like, I'm not running myself into a corner again. I'm going to write a cliffhanger that I can easily build off of if they say we want more movies. And that's exactly yeah. what he did. Yeah. So smart thinking this time. This was, <laughs> Apparently, this is like kind of the only one that was like written with one planned to happen after. Yeah, because like, battle was not always in the plan either. No, it was just like, well, these did well enough and we have some money. So sure, we'll try it again kind of thing. Like it wasn't as foreseen as this this one and the next one. Yeah. Like these are companions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah so yeah we open on the exact same beach which i thought was kind of cool yeah. like you still get the vibes from like because the second movie kind of opened with that beach too via stock footage yes so it's just like hey where are we oh there's a helicopter never mind we're in modern times yes <laughs> and then there's a spaceship and like the entire military shows up to to receive it because well, they're excited because they're yeah. going to greet uh, either visitors from another planet or one of the astronauts or, that they sent back out Taylor's there. back. Yeah. They made it. Like, we thought this mission failed. Uh, but then they take their helmets off, and it's Aponauts, as they say Oh, later. but Nathan, that moment, the I moment they take so their helmets funny. off, all of a sudden, like, that's when uh, Jerry Goldsmith's music hits, and it is popping. Like, he... I was so yeah. happy to have him back. Like, it was just like, it's like a jazzy version of the first movie stuff, but it's just like, and then yeah. like the escape logo comes up and I'm like, whoa, Jerry, man, you're There's killing it. weird instrumentation in the score too. I swear I heard like sitars I don't, and stuff I don't, at it's some great. points. It's just like 70s milieu of odd sounds. But like, but, but yeah, still it's like some a comic, sounds. like Roddy McDowell as Cornelius and it like, like I portrait know. of him and then great. like Zira. But it's like yeah, it Kim still Hunter. had it still had some like of his like notes from his first score. Like it still had that like mm-hmm. doo, 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 like the high lows type of he does like the but he just jazzed it up a bit and sped it up a bit. Oh, more. it's so much peppier and goofier. Yeah, I guess I, don't know. I was yeah. having a blast the moment it kicked in. I was like, oh, this is yeah, oh yeah, man, this is woo, I'm having a good time right now. So I thought I thought it was maybe a little weird that like Salomonio doesn't get one too as Milo. <laughs> Because but we'll can? find out why. Because we don't know who this person is. Like I we thought don't it was know Lucius. who he is, but there's clearly three apes there, and it just shows you two of them, and then goes back to like the general. That's because I thought like, it was Lucius. The literally, I was like, also, uh, M. M. Wal. Emmett Walsh is in this opening scene too, and he has like one more scene. Oh, after this. was he? He's that's the silly, orange dude. Okay. Only once his name appeared in the credits was I like, okay, I'm going to pay attention for some M.M. at Walsh, yes. but I already missed him. Yes. He's in the he crowd. The he's in the crowd on the beach. I saw him. And then, and then, yeah, he gets the moment with the oranges. Like, he gets the bag of oranges scene. Oh, he's wearing those glasses and yes, stuff? He's yeah. the one hand in oranges? He's the guy in okay, oranges, great. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, uh, I, the music I kicks was in. hoping to notice him, but I've only seen him older, so I yeah. didn't recognize him i guess but okay M- music kicks in and then all of a sudden we cut to the zoo and the, our three yeah. ape buddies no i was sort of befuddled pretty quickly because it's like oh okay so these humans are just immediately assuming the autopilot took these apes here somehow yes. and they're apes so what what are they gonna do and just put them in a zoo despite them wearing clothes and like oh, dressing in clothes and Nathan, having a carpet bag if three yeah. if three chimpanzees large, large chimpanzees showed up because you gotta remember at that point like a chimpanzee had already been in space 
and like in yeah, history. That's true. So like yeah, they yeah. just like I think they just had cognitive dissonance of like this is not possible. Like this, we've not seen anything it's like, like well, this. Well, it's Taylor's shit, but I guess someone's doing an experiment or something. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, okay. And so they're just like, well, what, where, where should we send these creatures? Well, let's send them to the zoo where there's like animal doctors. Like why? Like of course they're, that's the place they're going to send them. The thing that amazes me is like. So I know this movie's trying to deliver like some parallels between this, like how the humans were treated in the ape world versus how the apes are treated in the human world. These mm-hmm. apes are treated so well in our world. Like right from the very beginning. Yeah. Like they're like like they're just escorted out things, but like they're not like hunted down and like tr- like thrown nets on top of them and like dragged out and then lobotomized and like like Planet of the Apes is like pretty gnarly towards these animal creatures, like human creatures, but yeah. like to these three like full size chimpanzees, they're just all like, oh yeah, like let's we'll get some good doctors in to see and we'll do some tests to see if they're smart and they're, mm-hmm. like they're generally treated uh, nice. I'm trying to think like maybe because like their extraordinary origin is readily apparent because they stepped out of a rocket ship, whereas Taylor just wanders into town in a hunt, you know, like they don't believe his story. Oh, sure. About landing in a ship and all that. Like that's unseen and unproven. But in escape, like, yeah, they're literally like when they change out of their clothes into their original clothes, they're so bum fuzzled. Like they'd assume like, no, these are just dirty apes. Like. Go put them next right. to the gorilla because obviously apes hang out with apes, monkeys hang out with monkeys. Um, right. So they they're not. I don't. Yeah, make that I argument. guess they catch on fairly fast. Just like well, they the, the put kind, on clothes. The, the doctor yeah. does. Like the the veterinarian psychologist. I didn't think this was. A yeah. Thing. Um, Lewis. Doctor yeah. Lewis. Yeah. He catches on pretty quick, but he also is like Zira talks to him pretty quickly too. Yeah, they just kind of get down to it. Like it, it, like in some ways, it sort of echoes the book's timeline a little. With just like they can speak, they choose not to initially, but then they just speak, and things escalate pretty quickly. Yeah. In fact, that scene where they like meet the commission or whatever, and like talk in front of tons of people and get the audience laughing and all that kind of stuff, that kind of happens in the book. Like, sure, okay. the Cornelius and Zira like want uh, Ulysses, the human to like have a big debut so that he can't be just shuttled away by like a Zeus or somebody and like disposed of. So it's in front of like this giant panel of tons of people like so, apes. Uh, tons of apes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the, so the, the, that the, the, sort the, of happens here and they get like tons of public support really quickly. So the president is kind of like, well, it's going to ruin the election for me if we don't be, treat these apes here's the really thing great. Like, that's like there's I mean obviously okay so hopefully someone the TV who's read stars hopefully someone's yeah. read the book and would know these comparisons but as a person who's not read the book and only seen the movies all I have is the visual comparisons which is in one scene Taylor is literally presents himself to a panel of apes and they all like and is stripped naked and they start like <laughs> belittling him yeah and like he's not smart he's not intelligent but then this exact opposite like opposite situation and everyone like all the people are immediately on board and some of the panelists on board and some are like disgusted but you're like most people <laughs> in this world are very okay with talking apes and like it's just it's supposed it's i think it's trying to build this like sci-fi allegory of like hey like like the first movie's supposed to be like hey we're experimenting on animals and we shouldn't be doing that because it's not kind right that's the that's the moral like piece of like why Taylor shouldn't be why humans shouldn't be experimented on. 
Yeah. They had a chance to do this in this movie and they made very different choices. Because in this whole movie, only like one person is really ever super mean to them. And it's Dr. Otto. And everybody else is like super cool towards these apes. Yeah, Dr. Haslin's the one that has like this very... Well, (laughs) to be fair, in that panel, there's a moment where Zira like like slip of the tongue... She says dissect, but <laughs> she know. basically says dissect. I don't know what in that context you would ever think she was going to say, yeah. uh, but he's the only one that catches on that something weird was going on there. Yes. <laughs> so he's skeptical about the apes and their intentions because like they're withholding some information uh, about the earth. Exploring well, and then he gets her. They feel they'll be held yes. responsible for that. Yeah. yeah. But then. But he like he's the only one that like the, the the literally there's a scene with him and the president where the president could be super slimy and rude and be like hey I hate these damn dirty apes but the, there's an election he's also just like yeah the people like him so just leave him be it's okay man it's a right. yeah no this president like I was saying like I'm really glad Nixon didn't have to field this because they would have been lobotomized like day two <laughs> uh, but <laughs> this president like President Wyndham or whatever is just like. No, I mean, maybe mankind's not supposed to say, like, he's really like, no, th- you know, this might be it for us, but that's fine. Yeah. Like, who are we to make that exactly. and I'm just like, fate or whatever? What's, it's like, what? What is the science fiction you're doing where humans are just so kind and kindly to these apes and only mm-hmm. really like a handful of evil humans are going to be like their downfall? I'm like, like literally the entire like subsequent trilogy like of the new one is the exact opposite where like most people hate these apes and then only a few of them like them yeah mankind becomes like abusive and stuff i kind of wonder if this is like a flashpoint moment where like maybe the media is like well an ape murdered that scientist like he shot him or something like they'll yeah. spin that in some weird way sure. and then they'll be like negative like attitude but even in that scene something. that whole military yeah. was there protecting the apes from auto <laughs> like they were only I think on... they ultimately shot Cornelius, though. Because Cornelius was Otto. shooting Otto. Yes, but that's because... Yeah, yeah. And it was like, even then, it was like some... It was only a few of them shooting, and they were told, like, don't shoot. Yeah, Like, they yeah. were trying to take them alive, and the only reason why they shot him is because he was shooting, period. He was actively murdering a guy. Yeah. Uh, but justifiably, because, oh, man. Yeah. I could... I, like... As this movie started, like a memory came back, and I was like, "Oh, I remember why I like didn't enjoy rewatching this one very much." <laughs> a baby gets murdered at the end of it, and no, I it think it's though. a decoy baby. Yeah, but... well, no, but like, okay, well, yes, you literally sit there and watch like what you think is a baby being shot multiple times, and then Zira it is though Zira being shot multiple times. Wait, but no, but there's a switch earlier in the movie that we just see off screen. No, but it's still a real, like, in the story, it's still a chimpanzee getting murdered. Yes. It's just not the sentient one No, or yeah, you're right. But there's, like, a shot of the swaddled bundle, like, taking bullet hits. Yes. Like, it gets shot, like, three times. He doesn't hesitate at all. He's, like, ice-cold Terminator. That's that's going to be John Connor, blah, 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 and just murders this monkey. Yeah, or, if ape, I sorry. can't have this I did ape. the offensive thing. Again, this was a G film. And I'm like watching this really violent scene being like, wait, I thought this was like the fish out of water comedy one. Like, what are we watching here? Yeah, no. Knowing how like gnarly it gets later, I don't think I find the comedy like works very well for me in this movie because I know it's a grim. That's what like, I mean. Yeah, like I, I can totally it see what you're saying. It almost feels like manipulative or something. Like we're trying to make you like extra sad later. So you're we're going to have like these goofy scenes with them shopping and 
hanging out in Hollywood and whatever. Yeah. But there's like a aura around it that is like after the first time I ever watched it, it was just like, oh no, this is all mean tricks you're playing. Like you're trying to, you're 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 being disingenuous. You're, you're trying to lure so, me into a sense of like security, but you're really gonna pull the rug out but from underneath. Really, me. you're gonna betray these apes, and yeah. it's gonna go really bad. Because <laughs> so, like even the subsequent yeah. one, like I remember. Like I remember watching this as a kid, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me remember why I didn't like this movie, Nathan. And I think it's because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I just was like robbed of a film. Like, oh man, this is like a fun, whimsical movie, and then all of a sudden, just like all the characters you care about are dead. All of them are dead. Yeah. No, there's like there's the turn at like 56 minutes where they start like intensely interrogating the apes and like betray them. Yes. Like like it's like zero. What's happening? And it's like. We hate you now. <laughs> like well, the movie just turns on and them. Like, and I okay. was like, I don't like this vibe. Like this is so mean. So this doctor, yeah. Dr. Otto, what's his like Haslin? Yeah. Yeah. He straight up like he boozes up a pregnant person. Like he Yeah. Like straight up gets her super sloshed and she's pregnant. And I'm like, that's really sketchy. Like that's so sketchy. Yeah. I was, I was like, was this a belief in the 70s that this was good for you? No, no, no. Okay, so there's still this <laughs> you know? belief that, like, one cup of red wine is good for your heart and for, like, circulation. And it can still be okay if you keep it consistent through yeah. alcohol. You can in some cultures. In North America, it's largely frowned upon. But in some cultures, it's still pretty acceptable. But he didn't do that. He literally no. got her wasted on wine. Yeah. And she's pregnant. And you're just like... This is super sketchy. Like this guy is evil. Like next level, Zeus is like evil, but he, but it's because he's just ignorant. Otto's not ignorant. He knows that these are good, kind creatures. He just wants to hate them because he wants to hate yeah. them. Yeah. No, I feel like yeah. This is we had Zeus and we had Doc, like General Ursus or whatever yeah. and the mutants, but like I feel those movies are more just about like the folly of conflict or something yeah. like this is like, no, this guy is the villain and he's going to murder them. <laughs> like he's, he's actually evil like Zayas, and it's crazy. Zayas yeah. is so caught up in his ideology that you can understand why he hates Taylor because Taylor represents something that he should, he it would destroy his entire ideology, his whole culture of, and way of thinking. The general yeah. is dumb. Like, in the second movie, he's just a dumb gorilla who wants to go fight mutants. He just wants to go punch something and, and solve that. the mutants are that, literally yeah. just, like, bomb-worshipping dummies as well. Like, just really <laughs> like, big dummies. Yeah, weird cultists or yeah. something. So yeah. we can sit there being like, oh, this is like, these, none of these guys are actually evil. They're all twisted. This guy is, like, legit. He can see that Zira and Cornelius are good people. He, she is pregnant, and he is like, nope, I'm going to kill these apes. They're yeah, like, and like Dr. Lewis and Stephanie have kind of this like moral check of themselves where it's like, wow, that's pretty gnarly that you dissected humans. But to be fair, I have dissected chimpanzees, so I see what happened here. Yeah. Like it's a if it's if what you're saying is true and it's truly a flipped culture, that makes sense. Yep. But yeah, Dr. Otto is not entertaining any of that yeah. it's just like this will lead to the end of humanity and i won't stand for it well like, and he even lies to his yeah. teeth he's like no we're not we're not like he's like he says to him like hey i know at some point humans are gonna fall i'm just interested in what happened i'm like that's a lie like you're just full on that's lying. not true yeah yeah and it's like <laughs> you should though like because i appreciate the president the president says the same thing but you can tell he's just telling the truth he's like yeah at some point humans are gonna falter and i'm like 
this is, is this just something we think about? Like people just walk around and be like, yeah, someday down the road, humans won't be like the dominant species on earth. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I just assumed it would always be this way until we destroyed earth. Like earth is dead and we can't live mm-hmm. here anymore. But I don't know. I guess people just go around talking about how like, yeah, eventually something else will come and take us over. <laughs> like, I still, yeah, like I'm still interested in like this weird like vibe all these movies have of like early '70s like Vietnam pessimism. I don't know what's happening. Like it's just this kind of like doom and gloom of just like, yeah, does humanity deserve to control the planet? Like there's just this kind of like I don't know because they're sort. It's sort of a sympathetic overthrow. It's not like the evil robots of the Terminator or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like. No, we had this coming. Like, we abused these apes for too long, and this is what we get. Like, it's a different tone than, like, I think it, oh, I think no, zombie is, apocalypse or whatever. I think it's like, Vietnam, it's, but I also think it's the, uh, like, especially when I think of the next movie and a little bit this one, it's also the uh, oh, the equal rights movement, like, the like yeah. early 70s sentimentality around the idea of, like, Hey, like we're really messing up our own society. Like we don't well, have like it right. beneath basically had a Vietnam protest in it, but then yeah, like civil rights movements yes. and like the student protests in the late sixties and stuff. Like it's sort of that energy, but like what if it toppled everything and changed hands or something? Yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. what if we what if it's between species and not just within our own human race type of thing? Would we cause like honestly conquest Conquest, the next one, is is just one big slavery allegory. Like, it's just a giant slavery, slavery allegory. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, oh, Nat- it's, still, it's still weird to me how, like, Cornelius and Zero sort of distance themselves from, like, a lot of stuff. Like, it's just like, listen, we didn't blow up the planet. It was those gorillas. They're just so stupid. <laughs> it's just like. To be fair, right, though. I mean, no, no, they're, but they're sort of also your people. No, like, they're no. Your neighbors, because, like, remember you know? in that movie, the chimpanzees were against the war. Yeah, they got outvoted by the orangutans and the gorillas. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I don't know. It's just something about like we weren't able to politic our way out of it, so we just flew away. <laughs> we just escaped. Well, they had to. There's no way for them to stop it. Chimpanzees were weak. Yeah, it was. Less it was beyond the eleventh hour. It was one minute to midnight yeah. kind of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, like they literally. I think that was a fine thing. I just thought how much spin, like how much good, how much. Like how intelligently they ran their own spin. Like they were like, <laughs> sp- like just like, yeah, we can't bring that up because if we bring up we that, can't bring it- I was thrown too. It's like, why can't they bring up Taylor? And it's like, well, they're gonna want to know what happened to him. Yeah, and we can't tell them that because then we'll have to tell them how the world blew up, <laughs> and they're not gonna like that. So I was like, oh yeah, like because oh, yeah. there's literally a scene where they're like, yeah, that scene where they're like, oh yeah, we didn't know Taylor. I was like, why are they lying about that? And then yeah, when Cornelius breaks it down, I'm like, oh, that's actually smart. Oh, that's smarter than yeah. me. Like he thought about that and I did it. <laughs> like No, there was another moment where I was like, man, they're smarter than me. It was like the second shape test with Zira. I was like, I would have screwed that up. Like I, I wouldn't have known which five you added. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Dr. Lewis does this like simple so baby toy test, and I was just like, nah, I, you lost me on the second one. Like I would not pass this because like, the point was like I'm I'm with you because I'm watching it I'm like yeah this is, okay that first one's easy okay 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 and then all of a sudden like wait what is the test wait he's she has to guess which she ones has to he identify added which ones weren't there before. I know and I'm like I don't know which ones were there some of them are the same colors it's like yeah but they're different shapes dude you, yeah. yeah come on I know yeah. <laughs> so. 
And then I, I could put them in the right slots quickly. That's yeah. easy. But... Like, that was like, oh, easy. I do this all the time. There's actually a really funny meme. Do you remember those blocks that have, like, it's the tub with the lid and it had the different shapes? Yeah. There's a funny I meme right now this one. of just the guy yeah. being like, okay, where does this bridge one go? That's right, in the square hole. And he just keeps putting them all in the same hole because it actually fits in this one specific hole. And the and my favorite thing is the internet reacting to this video and being really angry because he's not... It's kind of funny. Anyways. I've seen it mostly in the context of like a programming joke where it's like, yeah, sweet, my program worked. And then it's just like, no, it's not doing it right at all. It's just finding like the simplest solution and it's it's not actually processing the whole problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes. Anyways, so yeah. The I, there's this... Uh, I, I got to say though, like I did have a better time watching this movie. It's actually like a well put together film. Whereas like yeah. Beneath, Beneath is like, I have fun but I'm having fun in spite of it. Like I'm making fun of the movie. Like for the first 40 minutes, I said this last week where like, I thought it was just like planet of the apes on fast forward. And then we like got we're into just kind of recapping. Yeah. And then we get our nutty star Trek episode. Yeah. Like 50 minutes star Trek episode. And then, yeah. uh, I was like, okay, all right, whatever. This is silly. But then this episode, this whole movie is like just one big movie that they put together and they build towards like a real, like a logical ending. Like, I know what you're saying. Mm. Like they are just putting the shroud over your face, but they're doing that intentionally because they're creating a sense of like false, like a false, like security that everything's going to work out. And then it doesn't. Yeah. So I just find it kind of like just this weird, melancholic, like tragic experience in a way oh, sure. where it ends up getting, but yeah, it's pretty cohesive. Like it, it, it builds and rises and falls and thing. The events make sense. It's just, uh, Sad. yeah, something about, like, the early tone, like, the, oh, I'm speaking at this, like, women's meeting and telling jokes about my husband or whatever. It's just, like, this is so silly. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know that I'm finding this, like, funny in the right way. It's just kind of throwing a lot of stuff at you. Uh, uh, okay, I want to talk about yeah. one person, Natalie Trundy, who plays Dr. Yeah. Stephanie. Mm -hmm. She's in the previous film. She, as a mutant i think so it's just one of those i think you're right now i'm seeing her face now she yeah. is uh who is it she's albina is who she is okay and then she's in the subsequent films as another person i think it's an, an ape i could be wrong okay. it's lisa she plays lisa in conquest and battle i assume it is Cornel it's caesar's love interest that he develops okay yeah but this yeah this one actor she's the only other person with Roddy, who's been in all four, but uh -huh. she's played like different, more than more characters than Roddy did, type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like not all uh, four, I should I, say. It, it's sort of a nepotism thing. Like she's married to Arthur P. Jacobs, like the main producer, so that's one of the main reasons. Uh, I was sort of weirded out in this movie how she like has glasses early in the movie and then doesn't ever again. Like, it's just like, I don't need these anymore. Like, it's just like, I don't like how these look on my face, so I'm just going to not have that. And it's like, okay, whatever you want. Like, I don't know. I got that kind of sense. Whoa. But uh, what? What's wrong? Arthur with P. What? Jacobs died maybe even before the last Apes movie came out. Oh, he died in the 70s? He died in 73, June 73. Oh. He literally yeah, died a been... week, like 12 days after the Battle of the Planet of the Apes came out. Oh, crazy. Anyway. So he spearheaded the TV show. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's weird. 
Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah. that was just a little aside that I was noticing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I did not know that she was married to the main yeah. producer. It, it, it's, it struck a memory note for me because I was like, wait, wasn't Linda Harrison also? But it's like she was married to Richard Zanuck, who was just kind of a Fox guy. Like he wasn't directly involved with the early films exactly. So a little more tenuous. Gotcha. Um, who, who did Linda yeah, Harrison yeah. play? Uh, she's Nova. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing that was is the guy who played Milo, Sal. Yeah, no, he's a bit of a tragic story. Yeah. Just like murdered. Very young. Yeah. I mean, he's he's most famous for uh, what's that James Dean movie? Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, he plays. That was kind uh, of one John. of his big ones. Yeah. Um, and I guess he was kind of getting like a stage career going in, in the 70s here. But this was his last theatrical film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he was killed in February '76 in a robbery, I guess. Yeah, just like a random, so, a random situation, just walking down the streets of LA and just gets killed by what they think is a junkie, like a person high on drugs. No, I think I think a burglar. Oh, he so parked so. his car and uh, was attacked there, and yeah. yeah, it's just just a screwed up story. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, bit of a weird tenuous connection, but I I guess I do want to say it because it is something I read last week and didn't get to say. Uh, Victor Buono, uh, from last week's episode, uh, him and Sal actually, like they were both closeted gay actors Mm -hmm. and they had a brief relationship in the seventies, uh, that Victor has a quote about on his wiki page. Wait, so I just thought it was weird. We're a couple briefly. Yeah. Like according to this, like quote from Victor and then it's just like, Oh, weird. Like like uh we will encounter sal in our next movie i didn't even think about that and then yeah so it's just this this odd connection okay but uh yeah, yeah. hey obviously big fan of victor like he's my one of my all-time favorite batman villains king, king cut. cut yeah we mentioned <laughs> and then he's in uh whatever happened to baby jane yeah uh and he's really good in that so yeah younger than he seems i guess he was famous for playing older actors like older characters because he had, like, a really deep voice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember yeah. him playing... Am I wrong in thinking that he played, like, an opera singer in something at one point? I think so. Is that not in Whatever Happened? I've never seen Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, so therefore... Oh, okay, okay. It can't be that. I'm trying to remember. But it, that yeah. might be a reference. The thing I saw him in might be a reference to that movie, though. I could see him playing an opera singer. That ch- that checks. Uh, but yeah, Sal, uh, he apparently hated the ape makeup a lot. Like he would get claustrophobic and like really worked up about it. So they kind of changed the script. So his character dies earlier, oh. which is sort of too bad. Okay. Yeah. Cause I honestly just took it as like a thing of like, okay, we need a plot contrivance to get them to the past and then we don't yeah. need him anymore. So we'll kill him in the first act. Yeah, it's a little heartless how it goes because they just like have this gorilla there just to choke him out, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just, oh, okay, poor Milo. Yeah, <laughs> like ape, it just ape goes don't badly. kill ape type of thing, right? It was just like immediately yeah. undone. Um, oh, I wish this gorilla looked better. Oh, man. <laughs> like it's clearly just a suit. gorilla <laughs> costume. Well, it just looked worse than the actual makeup. Like the chimpanzee like actors look better mm-hmm. than like this dude in this ape costume. Um, Milo, oh man, I found Milo just like to be so baffling as a character. And this makes sense now because they move on from his death pretty quickly. 
Like, they don't seem to mourn him in the slightest. Yeah, the one tieback we get is, like, them naming their son is kind of like a, oh, yeah, right, Milo. <laughs> you know, like, way later in the movie. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, other than, like, the one moment where he gets killed and they're, like, upset about it, uh, it, it doesn't really linger. It's just kind of, now we're just the stars dealing with the humanity and being on TV and stuff. And being famous, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it's a little weird. I will say it's nice having Roddy McDowell back. You can tell just in his voice and his like how he carries himself that it's just it is him there. Yeah, no, I think even his early moment where without him saying anything, where he just like gestures for the third orange, yeah. I was just like, okay, Roddy McDowell. <laughs> like I don't know what it is. He just has more like vigor with it. Yeah. Than, uh I appreciate that they no, also no just, offense like, to David, but yeah, they just completely commit to him and just be like, yeah, you're coming back for the next two, right? Because mm-hmm. I just feel and like, and then he was totally game, and I think he's in the TV show too. Like he was all in. Wasn't Zayas back in the, the TV show? I hope so, but I I don't know. I haven't seen the TV show. Yeah, me neither. Um, it's available okay. somewhere though. Yeah, no, it eventually came out. Like the ape, like old school seventies ape fans are per- real. Like <laughs> they really, they really cared, despite like the diminishing budgets and everything. Like this, this developed its fandom. Uh, I found it really confounding that they stuck with like the second movie's year, like thirty nine fifty five is now the fact of the matter, despite what we talked about in the first movie. Yeah, like it's just like no Taylor's clock was just wrong, like <laughs> like uh, Brent's clock was better, and we're just it was thirty nine fifty five the whole time. You were just wrong. <laughs> so yeah, because <laughs> their their clock somehow knows time travel is happening. <laughs> And, like, is communicating that to them mm-hmm. as they leave. Yeah, we saw so, the time tick down as we were traveling here. It's like, oh. It's like, why would it know that? Well, like, What's kind of silly? It's based on an algorithm that, like, I think Dr. Otto might have even been cited as the guy in the first movie. Okay. They talk about him, apparently. Yeah. Um, I just, one of those things about this whole situation that's frustrating to me is like that because we talked about this in the first episode like how good the science is behind like even the time travel like when you travel that fast forward or you get too close into gravity pulls and stuff like that you can move forward in time quicker than you age yeah and then this subsequent films just completely undo that like completely undo they just start playing around well once paul shows up to the scene it's like contrivance after contrivance around stuff like it's like Okay, okay. Yeah, so props to Michael Wilson and Rod Serling for taking that a little more seriously. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, they they lightened up a lot on that in the in the sequels. Um, yeah. Oh, right. There, there's a little bit of sampling of footage from the first movie in this. I found it a little weird they didn't use any from Beneath because there's literally a target practice scene, uh, but instead they have a shot of Dodge getting shot again, <laughs> like in that moment. <laughs> So just like, okay, I guess the first one's more iconic, so we'll just use that. But yeah, so we get fleeting glimpses of Taylor and stuff again, too. Um, Really? I thought it was. Yeah, he's he kisses uh, Zira again. Like you see that moment briefly. It's like flicker, like blink and you'll miss it. Okay, I blinked then. Yeah, yeah. So I (laughs) I don't think there's color even, too. It's like it looks like a. What's that yellow color that tells you it's the 1970s? Tepia or tepia or whatever it is? (laughs) Sepia. Sepia sepia tone. Sepia tone. Yeah. Um, uh, 
what is up with these movies' obsessions with, like, apes kissing humans? Like, they're just, like, and then talking about it. I've only ever kissed it's one in the, man it's before. It's in the first... It's in the book. I don't... I think it, like, makes more sense and means more in the book. It seemed really thrown into the first movie. Sure. Because we said, like, how Taylor's just a way angrier person. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, I don't think he would do that. He's so pissed. Sorry, and time. his name is Ulysses in the in the book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, so like... character has much more, like, like affection for the Cornelius and Zero for saving him from this crazy situation. Yeah. Like... Taylor is just so mad at everything. <laughs> well, this is, like, yeah, exactly. I could totally get why, but I can hear the thing. I can get why Zira will kiss Dr. Lewis because like mm-hmm. they're the ones that first like interact with each other. And like, obviously like he's trying to protect her and Cornelius is also there, but then Cornelius is like, and I, and you're my first, and then plants a kiss on Dr. Stephanie. And you're like this, that didn't seem necessary, but okay. Great. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like Ryan Metallus, so I wasn't mad at the moment, <laughs> no. but yeah, it's a little weird. It's just like, that was less earned. Yeah. I don't know. Like, St- Stephanie helped him. Oh, I guess she specifically helps him when he's in the, like, bushes after he murdered a guy. It's true. <laughs> so there is that. Yeah. I couldn't believe that guy died. Like, that scene did not play like he hit him that crazily hard, but then it's just like, cut like pan down to like blood everywhere and like shattered glass but here's the thing like, like Whoa, i think what happened did that guy hit the wall somehow like... <laughs> something about these movies that don't quite get across that like i feel like the new trilogy does is like like we think of when we think of a chimpanzee my whole life as a child i was like a chimpanzee is a little tiny thing i can carry like yeah and then all of a sudden yeah. as an adult i was like no those are all babies ryan every single chimpanzee you ever saw in a movie was a baby they grow yeah, to like including this one. Yeah. They grow yeah. to like adult size like beasts that are huge and strong. And lean and muscular in ways you aren't, yeah. and they could they could kill you. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. like yeah, obviously gorilla will be bigger than one and orangutan will be bigger than one, but like but that mean doesn't mean yeah. that chimpanzees are weak. Like these movies treat them like no, if oh, there was a six foot chimpanzee, he would be really strong. It's yeah, like, true. like these movies treat them like they're like little tiny weaklings because like the way mm-hmm. even just like the way that they carry themselves is like frail like they kind of have a mr burns walk i don't know if you noticed this like a hunched shoulders and oh arms like up. orangutans and stuff or no, all of them no like the uh roddy mcdowell has like a mr burns walk where he's like he's got his shoulders hunched up and his like arms forward but like in that dracula way i'm just like i'm gonna walk mm. with my arms um, oh a lot of hand yes. posturing and like yeah yeah uh which kind of gives across this image of frail right but the, yeah, it's a, if it's a if this is a, a a grown chimpanzee who's not just that but also grown in size because now he's human size. That's a beast of a creature. Like that is a punch yeah. in the chest. Your ca- your chest is completely caved in situation. I feel like it just clashes a little bit with like some scenes I meant to like in the first movie. Taylor just seems to effortlessly like knock over. <laughs> Like some gorillas while he's on his little run through the church or whatever. Can you imagine? I like, like, I don't think that would happen. You would just, you, they would absorb all of that and then just be mad. Yeah. Like, do you imagine like, okay, so I know the neutrally does as well because they just like, all they did was amateurize like creatures. Like they just animated creatures. But like Tim Burton's movie gets the, into this. Like all of the apes are really strong in the Tim Burton's films. Like. Because, like, mm-hmm. uh, what's his face? Like, Thaddeus is whatever the main uh, Tim Ross character is, like, able to oh, jump yeah. far distances and punch like crazy. But then you go to Michael Clark Duncan's gorilla, and it's like, that's a beast. Like, 
Mark Wahlberg, who's like a buff little dude, is not able to physically fight any of them in that movie. No, he would not be able to. Yeah. That's absurd. But like Taylor. But like Charlton Heston's ego needs to be catered to or something. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's just like bopping apes like they're nothing and they're falling over. And so then we get to this movie and a single like, like, hey, do you monkeys want some food? And he just hits a tray. Dude's dead. <laughs> like He's just instantly nothing. Yeah. I was like, oh, OK, because. I don't know. I felt that was like it needs to happen, I guess, to escalate the situation. Yes. But it seems so crazy to like make lovable Dr. Cornelius a murderer <laughs> in this state in the story. Well, like, and I then not, not just really that, but then followed up with like, no, he like solidifies his murderdom by like like capping Otto. That guy had it coming. This this orderly was so nice. <laughs> he was not being mean. Yeah. He just had lunch for them. It, I don't know. Yeah. I, I forgot that happened. Like, I forgot they kill a guy. And yeah. that's why this gets to, like, a big manhunt or whatever. Like, helicopters and trucks and jeeps searching. Well, I think I walked but, out of this movie as a kid being like, the comedy could have been better. Like, I always thought in my brain, like, oh, this is like this is the fish out of water comedy of this of the series, and it's like, no, like there's very little fish out of water. Like it's mm-hmm. like the one shot I can there's think like of. There's like kind of a quick montage of that of them and then it's on to serious like interrogations. Because like Roddy then, yeah. Roddy as a gorilla in that suit was like, that's a nice suit, and that actually fits you really well, Cornelius. Like that's <laughs> that's a good look, buddy. <laughs> like yeah. I, I walked away. Yeah, like, they each buy an outfit, they like he goes to a prize fight and is kind of horrified, which I thought was an okay scene. Because yeah. just like, wow, you guys just like hurt each other for fun, huh? Like he's not really impressed with humanity's <laughs> attitude. Um, and yeah, it it I don't know it it can't get too goofy though because how sinister everything becomes, yes. you know. So yeah. it's not a total betrayal. <laughs> Of, or emotional whiplash this, or whatever of this movie that you think you're signing up for oh fun it's a fun comedy and then all of a sudden just capping and dying and like like an entire family is murdered yeah. <laughs> and that's the end yeah. and then it's not the end because R- ricardo montalpan i was so confused being... when like because okay so we get to the end of the movie and zira gets shot baby milo gets shot like baby milo in quotations but she just like dumps mm-hmm. the baby in the river like she literally just like plunks him into the river and like then goes and dies next to Cornelius. You're just like, that was a real Why chimpanzee. Did... Like that was just a chimp that you're just like, uh, toss that baby away. I yeah, I don't really know what like just to conceal its identity or something. Like I I'm not really sure what I don't the even know how they would not conceal. Like what ways do they have? To Obviously test? they would retrieve it. Yeah, yeah, but how would they not like what? To, to What's they... there to know? Yeah, like, like it. Are they going to do DNA testing, like, to see if, like, oh, are these the real parents of this ape? Like, probably or not. Or do an autopsy and be like, I don't know if this one could have spoken, <laughs> I guess, is only the oh, thing. Man. That do we want to get into the speaking know? scene? Like, the, I, yeah, this is we the, have one of the to. few I, things that I remember as a kid. Because as soon as it came yeah. on, I was like, oh, yeah. And just, like, I think it's an effective piece of audio. I do. Mm-hmm. They should have cut mm-hmm. to black way faster, though. Because... <laughs> Yes. Uh, so one of the things that goes on is immediately after this baby is born, Zira keeps saying mama to it. Uh, she keeps doing that after they clearly switch babies. But oh, well, like, you know, she's a new mom. She's got to do something. Uh, but then we cut to like a month later or something when the circus is breaking down and we get the young like Milo in his cage 
and they decide to loop this scene so that the lips that it did is saying mama but they just keep looping it yeah and they do it like, like six I get times the, i get the one time doing it because he, you try to get an ape to say mama with you got a decent twice. match of mouth yeah but then muttering. they do it like mama yeah. mama mama and it's like Oh, this is but so it's kind clearly... of moving when it does it. Well, it looks so it like has a, this really it looks like a unnatural gif. head. Bob. It looks like a boomerang. Like a, you know the Instagram boomerangs where it's like it's like a gif where it's like goes forward but then you go backwards, forward, backwards. It's like a little. Mm. That's what it is. It's like it's a live action boomerang in a in a movie, but like yeah, with a ape, and it's so awkward looking, and it's an effective scene because like it then goes to black, and the mamas continue, and it becomes tragic. But it would have been so much more effective if I wasn't immediately taken away with how bad this scene looked just a moment yeah. ago. So And yeah, a lot's working there. Like I like Ricardo and I like the, you know, hey, that ape did make it and there's going to be another one. But yeah, it's just the execution of that little bit is unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> it ends on a bit of a like groan, <laughs> which was too bad. Okay, so, okay, so one of the big things about uh, Planet of the Apes movie is like, cliffhanger endings like oh man like yeah twists of some kind or so obviously like nothing historically beats the statue of liberty like that is like one of the all-time greats right yeah yeah i will put up i'm gonna put up beneath is one of the also one of the like the forgotten about great ones because it's literally just the end of the world narration happens where the guy just literally says everyone is dead period i'm like that's a crazy ending like that's a crazy ending this is one of the like this is a this is a twist ending because you get to see the creature alive, but it's one of the ones where it does take a huge step down, but like in the right direction where we're not just like creating a twist for twist sake. We're creating something that like a cliffhanger that we know will lead to something else then. Yeah. No, it's a more story like there's forward momentum on this one where it's like, hey, this this character, this lineage will live on and maybe the events we talked about will transpire, like the uprising and whatever. So, yeah, because even yeah. when you get to the end of Planet of the Apes, you don't, I don't see that Statue of Liberty as like a dun-dun-dun to be continued. I think it's pretty like, no, conclusive. No, it's like, oh, humanity killed itself. Yeah. Like it's, it's really like it's meant to just be a haunting mic drop i called it in that episode like it's this is over same thing with beneath like beneath feels like it's just the end of the second film but then now we're getting into the third film and they're realizing we might want four and potentially five so they're creating Mm -hmm. these cliffhangers that are like point more towards the future rather than what just happened or look at this type of thing right uh i am intrigued by what conquest does especially because battle might not have been in the cards while they're making it yeah i don't really remember like uh conquest having like the big twist ending it's more like the whole conceit of the story is the thing uh but that so being I said we'll, too we'll see what's in store uh that's something i will say that i think the new the sequel like the prequel trilogy there is zero cliffhangers in that movie they're just like they come to an oh. end and then they're, it's over yeah i mean you get kind of like that like it's extremely foreshadowed and is the story like the virus spreading and all that kind oh, of stuff yeah. like that no, but the kind movie ends with just like the apes in the redwoods they're free now yeah and then the second yeah, one yeah. ends with caesar back in charge of the apes and they're united and then the third one mm-hmm. ends with them in the promised land it's like it's all conclusive to the story that follows but like it loses that like maybe it's the tim burton movie that ruined it that's like, here's the cliffhanger like, that maybe makes... we don't need one of these. Like, this isn't fundamental to the DNA of this. <sighs> but I wonder yeah. if it is. Like, I wonder if the fun value 
especially because they knew where they were going to be making more apes films in the tree in the trilogy if there could have been more yeah. fun value in it but there was there was a lot of gear changes that happened in that trilogy too right like mm-hmm. uh, that first movie i was feel like pretty... we still get those kind of like punctuating big moments like the damn dirty ape kind of moments. oh sure yes like, yeah you get a lot of, kind good of stuff. classic stuff in that yeah but you don't yeah you don't get like the haunting image to hang your hat on or no anything. and like, but it makes sense the that thing. they I, I can see why they make sense but also like that first movie was like pretty like behind the scenes troubles like it's well documented i'm actually looking forward to talking about oh. like like the, yeah yeah the the version that could have been type of thing and references and like cut plot lines yeah. and producers shortening and tightening yeah and like just changing. a lot of studio yeah. interference in that film overall but yeah maybe there could have been a better cliffhanger twist I mean, it makes sense it doesn't exist because they were trying to tell, like, one big story and they don't need to hype you up. You should just – it doesn't I, – I, Like, it doesn't that like... card was played, so we're just going to do a different kind of yeah. I wonder, But story. I also wonder if Tim Burton just ruined it for everybody because his twist is so dumb. Like, it's so we'll, dumb. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that I one. I'm – I know it's been 20 years. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll love it this time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's escape. Uh, we're going to, you know, see what happens to Milo and let's go to the MVPs, I guess. Yeah. So I, um, you did the summary, right? So I kicked things off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my favorite thing about this whole entire movie once again goes to Jerry Goldsmith because like, okay, I, I, I was happy to see his name in the credits. Yeah, I, I didn't him. think the second movie had a bad score at all. This just has like a lot more pep and. That's like, the thing. Variety. It's like I, it doesn't have a bad score. Like, but I didn't have like it didn't stand out to me though as a score. Whereas like yeah, the first movie yeah. like really stood out to me. Like I'm sitting there listening to the first movie and I'm like, whoa, this score is great and has really punctuates some really good cinematic moments with some really good music cues and like his choices of how to have this like weird tribal like high note, low note structure type of thing was really working for me. And then this movie happens and it's like, what if we did that, but like jazzed it up, sped it up and just like really had a good time. Cause like mm-hmm. that opening scene, all I think about is that opening scene and then the helmets come off and then just like, like the credits Music. start and then boop, 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 boop. And I'm just like, Oh, this is, Oh, I'm immediately having a good time right now. This music is yeah. good. So no, Jerry is, he's back for his second and last uh, Planet of the Apes film, and I'm fully on board. I think he is killing it, doing a great time. There's many runner-ups. I, I was happy to have Roddy McDowell back. I liked Dr. Lewis. Um, I, I thought he was pretty great. Like, like the actor, I thought he carried himself pretty well. That would be Bradford Dillman. Um, okay. And Dr. Otto was also, I thought, was pretty good too, like uh, as a good bad guy, Eric Braden. But, Eric Braden, yeah. But yeah, for me, it comes down to like... I really like Jerry Goldsmith and the stuff he was doing with this movie. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, it actually is Dr. Otto, uh, Eric Braden, because I love hating this guy. Like, he's so he's so cold and dispassionate, and he also kind of has this, like, I don't know. He's so, like, defensive of humanity and its fragility, and, like, he won't let this fate happen in this weird, selfish way. Uh, it just, I don't know. It seemed sort of a perfect, like, that's the kind of human that would cause the disaster that we saw had happened in the first movie yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Like his kind of like better for nothing than this to happen. Yes. Like just this kind of weird, 
all or nothing attitude. And I did really like his TV segment where he he almost sells their non-explanation for time travel, you know, like he just very like professionally delivers this I, thing. I, and I you're just like, I don't think that explained no, anything, but I you, thought it was neat. When you opened with that <laughs> thing, know? I was like, oh, that was a fun scene, but it made zero sense like to what it, he was actually yeah, talking I know. about. That, that was that's why I used it, because it's just like. That's not that's what does that have to do with time travel? Like if there's infinite landscape or something, but what does that mean? Like you can't travel through it. It's like no, just isn't that weird and strange? Look at how many he just, of he just confused everybody. To be fair, when you like yeah. when people present things to Senate committees, they're just presenting to people that just were people that got elected to represent people. They're not like science experts. Like have mm-hmm. you seen any real science committees like um Senate committees like the questions like the Facebook trial, the questions that come out of that, like, so when you guys social network, how, how can we stop the social networking to the children? And the guy was like, I don't, we don't <laughs> the social network to the children. What does that mean? They, they just, yeah. They go on the internet. Have you ever used this? <laughs> yeah. Like they just yeah. ask questions. They're like, that's not. Oh. That's not how the head works. of this committee is so like weirdly skeptical <laughs> and like voicing all of his skepticism yes. into the mic, despite what he's seeing. Like, I guess he's humanities, Doctor Zayas. Well, here's the thing: in I, a way, why does this committee yeah. have like a religious person on it? Like, there's this like pastor oh, so good, priest though. who like Wedded with Zira and Cornelius or? like announced that they're oh, this is my husband over here. What? How? Oh. Bluster. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. what? You should be pumped that they're married still. Like that should be, like you, you. No, this institution still matters thousands of years. <laughs> exactly. Because like you should be more concerned that like they would be living in sin without marriage because that's not a thing. I don't know. It was so. Yeah, no. Uh... It, it was a great panel. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> but, but yes, Doctor Otto's the only one that hears dissect properly. Yes, and uh, brings his cold. When they play it on the loop. Table. All, all I'm hearing is dissect, dissect. What are you saying there? What are like, you saying there? What it's other like, words are obviously, there? <laughs> like, what like, else sounds like that? He could, she could literally say dis, dice, dice, like, and it could be like, oh, I was saying dice, like, like catch it earlier yeah. and stumble on no, it. No, but she yeah. said dissect, dissect, dissect. Like, there's no other, there's no other word to finish that. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, okay, cool. Yeah, no, no Otto is, was Otto is great. Like, he was a good villain. That like, yeah. that last scene of him just like. Cool. You're not gonna come with me. Pop, 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 pop. You're just like, that's that's a. Oh, it was crazy. I forgot how like I I thought the baby falling off the boat was how it died, but it's like no, it gets shot a lot. (laughs) Like it's it's really crazy. Yeah, Zero takes like a bunch of bullets in the back too, and then Cornelius Mm -hmm. falls. Like he gets shot and he falls. Like that mannequin fall was like because the makeup's so good. Like. It just looked like Cornelius fell to his like that. There was shot. a lot of weight to it. Yeah. yeah, it hits the deck really weird. Yeah, like, like it's it, not it like a mannequin hitting the deck. It savage. felt like it was like a well weighted mannequin because it just like hit in a way that was like, was that a stunt man? That better not have been a stunt man. Like that's bad. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, but no, uh, I guess he's mostly a. He was on Young and the Restless for decades. Like this guy. Yeah, they really but... like the soap opera soap opera guys, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, I just, I just liked how cold and like his motivations and how he brought them to lighten this. Like, yeah, yeah, I could prattle on, I guess, but I just enjoyed having. Oh, an he's this guy. Villain. No, <laughs> yeah, that's what. What no, guy? Like, from what? I watched Young and the Wrestling was like when I was a kid, 
I did not recognize him as a younger man. No, he like looking at his credits briefly. He seems to have been a staple of that show. For no, that's what I mean. Like I, when I was a kid, he was on Young and the Restless, and then like he is like he is the staple. Like this, he's the silver-haired, mustachioed fox type guy who I just didn't, I just didn't recognize him at all. Like this is totally cognitive dissonance in my brain right now. I didn't look into it okay. at all. Like I would yeah. just went into it being like, oh yeah, this is that's crazy. This is crazy. There you go. Young and the Restless star, Eric Braden. Yeah, he's my MVP in this one because he's he's just so mean. He just doesn't look like uh, his older self. His younger self and his older self don't look alike. This is crazy to me. I'm having a really tough time with this right now. <laughs> okay. Like, I grew up watching uh, do you want to move guy, on to like, grab yeah. women and, like, kiss them, like, pretty dramatically on the shoulders. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that was the same dude. That's crazy anyways okay that murdered cornelius and zero <laughs> my brain is a little yeah. crazy anyways well let's change gears with question time uh hey it's it's december we're coming up on for us. the big the, the big day for us it's coming yeah. up for them it's it's happened we're no midway through. this one's this one's mid-december that's what i'm saying this like is, you uh, said you said coming up on december when this comes out, this is mid-December. Oh, sorry. I really meant to say we're coming up on Christmas, but I didn't want to tip my hat that my question was going to be about Christmas movies. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But we are we are now in December. It's like December. Yeah, well on our way to the, 14th, the big holiday with Santa Claus and everything. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas-themed films? And do you have like perennial films you turn to? Or is that not really a ritual you do? Oh, my or... whole, like, maybe the first 18 years of my life, every Christmas we watched uh, Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim. Mm-hmm. And then as a teenager, I finally convinced my father, like, we know, we n- never need to see this movie again. Like, I've seen this movie 18 times, more than I've seen Star Wars. Like, it's because we just yeah. watch it every year. And it's a good movie. Like, I don't want to take away, like, that. this, like, Alistair Sim might be the most perfect on-screen version of Ebenezer Scrooge I've ever seen. But I've seen it so many times now. It's like how you feel about New Hope where you're like, you have it memorized. I have you can that. just close your eyes and start watching it. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> what I have yeah, with, okay. with this version of Christmas Carol. Um, so it, for me, it's a perennial thing. Every Christmas Eve, I get together with my family and we watch a Christmas themed movie or Christmas. Okay. But sometimes it's not Christmas themed. Sometimes it's Christmas based. Mm-hmm. So we've moved off into like, there's like like the Die Hard Years with the Lethal Weapons type of thing as well. Um, yeah, I, I basically just said like Shane Black's filmography is a candidate for <laughs> this. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, but Christmas, pure Christmas movie, my favorite that I I go to ever since it's come out and just been like this is nearly perfect to me. Uh, is Elf? Like, okay, just yeah. I thought Elf might come up because I saw some cereal for. <laughs> well, like, you know, you saw cereal store. for Elf on the shelf. It wasn't. It's not for Elf. No, no. This was like John Favreau Elf cereal. Oh, really? Like, exists right I now. I saw Kellogg's Elf on a Shelf cereal, which is like little stars and like vanilla oh. flavor, but it's Elf on a Shelf. Okay, I have. I didn't see the words on a shelf on this box. But, but was maybe it Buddy or was out. it like a an Elf, like a cartoony Elf? Dude, now you've got me second guessing. Like, I, you're right. That would make more sense. That's a more contemporary thing. I was like, why would there be 
like a Will Ferrell movie serial now, but it's sort of like become a classic in a oh yeah way. big big time in a classic in a in a, in a similar way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I was convinced that it it is that much established as like an annual thing for people. That but it's that like little white, little white and red stars, right, in the serial. It looked it looked like it was like a Lucky Charmsy to me. Yeah, I would say that thing. that that is the same serial. It's it, it's Elf on the Shelf. Ah, okay. Sorry, buddy. Darn. Anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah. Will Ferrell's turn. It's just like it's one of those situations where like a perfect piece of comedy comes together. I I, I actually there's parts of that movie I don't love. Like I think James Caan severely brings that movie down. Every single He's just ounce, like actually surly. Yeah. Or something. Every single ounce yeah. of him was like, "This is not fun." Whenever he's on screen, right? And I mm-hmm. love Peter Dinklage. Also, not fun when he's on screen. But Will Ferrell is he like an angry kids author or yes, something? It is exactly yeah, that. Yeah. But every single moment that Will Ferrell encapsulates the screen, he's doing something pure comedy gold genius in a G film like mm-hmm. g film and i'm like how is will ferrell this funny when he can't use like penis words yeah yeah but he's just like unbridled enthusiasm or oh, whatever yeah. like it's unleashed on getting hit by a taxi rolls. driver ca- taxi cabin standing right back up again or or like eating the gum on the bottom of the railing in a new york like subway platform like, type wow of thing. Like, free candy yeah, or whatever like, yeah yeah just stuff like that, or like this screaming, like Santa when like it gets announced that Santa's coming tomorrow. Just stuff like that just makes me so very happy. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably my most no, recent a, one. Like the mo- like yeah, that's, that's a solid one. Yeah. What about you? Uh like first thought was Gremlins. Uh, <laughs> I one. just like those movies, but I like two more, and yeah. it's not Christmas themed. Not Christmas themed at so, all. So. It doesn't exactly help. Like it's just like, man, I just want to watch Gremlins two now, and that's not in the spirit of the season <laughs> at all. Uh, so I also wrote Die Hard two because we <laughs> talked about it, uh, and it's very it, it's snowing and everything. It like, is it's, snowing and everything. L A doesn't really know what Christmas is. I know. You know? I like, like they pretend just, every year. It's Die Hard yeah. two. Yeah, Die Hard 2, Snowbound, you know, stuff that makes more sense. That resonates more with me yeah. as like a winter film. Sure. Uh, I feel like I need to reevaluate It's a Wonderful Life because, as I've said, I thought it was really scary <laughs> as a kid and I never looked at it again. Uh, but it's it's got that reputation, yeah. so I kind of want to look at it. Uh, sub question, is there any good Christmas horror movies? Krampus. Because <laughs> I know they exist, but which one? Krampus. Oh, yeah. I guess that was a. I I don't know that I got everything I wanted to out of no. it. But it, it definitely was, was not effort. perfect, and it didn't have like hit all the right notes. Yeah, um, I hear though there there's this 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 Christmas there's a an it's called the Naughty Cut coming out. It's like the director the director I guess the studio was like, hey, you can't do all this stuff, and it okay. also had to be PG thirteen. And I guess he has like a more R rated version that's being released this christmas okay so i'm like i'm intrigued by that because i'm like there's something i, I liked like things in it yeah, yeah like it had a kind of cool ending too oh man it was like it's like that it... drag me to hell like it really committed to its like premise its ending. conceit of this this crazy monster yeah. and what it can do and yeah um yeah, yeah krampus is, it's a solid horror movie to be fair christmas just doesn't like like I, I've seen Jack Frost, like not the Michael Keaton version, but the... I know. Oh man, that was one of the most like ooh 
covers as a yes. 10 year old or whatever you'd see in the video well even the back like, of it was like oh man there's a snowman with a knife stabbing a girl in the shower that's crazy it's so bad mm-hmm. it's so bad um, he doesn't use icicles. Yes. Uh, Silent <laughs> okay. Night, Daily Night. I've seen the first two. I didn't watch the subsequent. I think there's three and four. But that's like mm-hmm. the one where like a crazy guy on Christmas Eve goes around house to house dressed up as Santa killing people. Um, yeah. I, there's one I saw a big chunk of that's basically that. It's called Christmas Evil, <laughs> which a uh, great title. Uh, Jeffrey DeMunn is in it as like the friendly brother of this guy that just loses it. Like he... <laughs> he's like a santa who goes on a rampage it's it it was weird watching it though because it's like this is almost actually about mental illness like this is like not ha 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 jason's kill people like this is like no that man's disturbed this is like taxi driver adjacent or something like it was weird there's another <laughs> How one seriously it took itself uh that i watched i remember being excited for it because it was like oh this should be fun it's called santa slay with bill goldberg there, there you go yeah. Goldberg from like wrestling plays Santa and it's like an evil Santa goes around killing people. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just not very good is the problem. It ends up being like not oh. what, you, what you want it to be. As a young person, I probably spent too much time watching Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Like okay. The first one. So this is the thing. You this know? is what I was going to get into because like my, subs- my follow up question was like, is there a Christmas movie now that you might have loved at some point in your life, but now it's like really hard to bring yourself to watch? I mean, it's it's probably that because I like I heard Santa Claus 2 is incredibly bad and watched it to like see if that was the case. And it is. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that retroactively helps that first movie Here's at the thing, all. But Santa Claus 2 and 3 <laughs> feels like a very different franchise of film. Yeah. The first movie yeah. kind of has like a bit of grounded in reality and yeah, then, like, it's a smaller budget, more modest thing. Yeah, but then the sequels yeah. are like the sets all of a sudden become really fantastical. And like yeah. even the reindeer. Yeah, we're up in the North Pole at the workshop. The and, reindeer become yeah. way more animatronic and cartoony and stuff like that. Like I don't really count the sequels as a real thing. Like it's you're a Santa Claus fan or you're a trilogy fan, whatever it is. Like There are people that love those trilogies. <laughs> oh, you're like him versus Jack Frost yeah. fan. But um, Martin Short. I loved, I, I remember that movie coming out and I was so excited for the Santa Claus and we went and saw it as a family and we loved it. And I think it was, I thought it was amazing. I can't ever bring myself to watch that movie again for whatever reason. I just, something about it is just like, it's so very boring. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I should probably leave that enshrined in the past as like, yeah, the weenie whistle and judge Reinhold and whatever. I just, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like That's he, what I mean. Like, I, I feel oh, like, I, sh- like, chimneys appear when he uses santa magic to go down the chimneys and it's like okay there's but enough good I won't look at it again. there's enough good yeah. christmas movies as an adult now that i don't need to go back and watch the ones i loved as a kid mm. like um i didn't like it as a kid but i'd like it now as an adult but scrooged was another one i like scrooge is crazy I, I watched it like yeah i thought it was just like dark and weird when i was young and then now it is but it's funny yes. like bobcat goldthwaite loses his mind yeah and it's like yeah there, there's a lot to appreciate in that well i just but like the it's, practical it's effects of that movie. movie too just really work and bill murray's yeah, like Richard story Donner. is really sad like it's a good acting movie for him too but also being in a comedy like his like what mm. happens to him like his scrooge story is oh man, like this sucks. Like this guy was so full of like youth and vigor and everything just got sucked out of him. Mm-hmm. So 
abstractly, I kind of like the Muppets Christmas Carol too, but it's sort of just sad. Like I remember just thinking it was actually sad. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't enjoy watching it as a kid very much. I preferred this Muppets like TV Christmas special where they just hang out with the Fraggles and sing songs. <laughs> And nothing bad happens, and it's just a good time. So, yeah. So, like, well, something bad happens, and Miss Piggy gets stuck in a snowstorm, but then she makes it, and yeah, yeah. everyone's happy. So, so the things that I think often get slept on. So, Simpsons are well known for like their Halloween specials, right? Like the Treehouse of Horror. But Simpsons yeah. have some of the better Christmas specials out there too. I kind of I didn't love the episode where Bart like destroys everything and like buries the evidence. <laughs> Oh, really? Do you remember that one? I do remember that one. Yeah, I, I thought that really one was like just like, yeah, don't lie. Like, it's bad. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I preferred the one where he shoplifts the video game. Yeah, that's like, like very that, early that, on, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- that resonated more. Yeah, like, I don't know. They just, but, like, throughout the whole time, like, there's even a more recent episode of, like, a future, it's a future story one where Lisa in the future in part in the future college, and it's a Christmas-themed mm-hmm. episode, and it's really good, like, super heartfelt and emotional, like... They're like I feel like a lot of Christmas stuff is when their stuff like, and even this last season, this the previous year they did this hilarious one where the whole episode is a Hallmark movie, but it's about a a Hallmark movie producer coming to Springfield to shoot a Hallmark movie, but then all the mm-hmm. tropes of the Hallmark movie happen to her in Springfield, like it's okay. really funny and like whimsical and yeah I had a great time. It's one of the better parodies I've ever seen them do, but. Anyways, I'm just I'm just thinking about the Funzo episode with like the <laughs> Gary Coleman and stuff. What you talking about? That Mo? one was so scattershot. What you like talking it, about? Everyone, because it, it doesn't. I start swear as that's a Christmas one of those episode. ones where it starts as not a Christmas episode and then it is a Christmas episode at the end of it. Yeah, and, and that's like, why you get like Gary Coleman here? at the very end saying, "What you talk about, Mo? What you talking about? Everyone, like that's how the episode ends." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that means that okay, but Nathan, the, the fact that you remember company. it, and here we are talking about it, and I'm it able must to be pretty it, good. Like clearly, yeah. it's stuck out in our brain. It's entertaining. Yeah, but it's one of the. <laughs> you're right. They don't. It's not thing. all of their Christmas episodes are great. But to be fair, not every segment of the Treehouse Horrors are great. No, you just only remember the ones you like. Yeah, and then so, when you go back and yeah. watch the full episode, you're like, oh yeah, this one when all the mascots come to life. Mm-hmm. I just I don't think I have anything where it's like Christmas doesn't feel complete unless I watch blank. Like I don't think it's gotten that ritualized. No, no. no. Uh, but yeah, I don't mind a Christmas movie. For me, it's uh, uh, it, it. I will say it definitely feels like you can only watch them right now, though. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's weird because like I can watch horror all year, but yeah, I watch so much horror from like August to October that come November first, I oddly am just like yeah. I'm done. I didn't watch that one, so I'll just I'll wait on it for a bit. And it's not like I'm like Oh, okay. It's not that like I'm done because I want to watch it eventually. I just like moved through this like very intense horror season and now I'm like, oh, I'm just whatever reason I'm done with it because I'm in a different season. But but come January mm-hmm. I'll pick it up again. I think it's just because Christmas seasons is such a specific time of like, yeah, watching a Christmas movie on December twenty seventh, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. 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 Did you ever check out all those Vince Vaughn movies he was doing? Oh man, I've it seen just like I, actually I have seen them all. While. I've seen Four Christmases um and Fred more Claus. recently actually because my wife likes that that one and I saw Fred Claus when it came out cuz I was like, "Oh, this one this one had potential cuz I had Paul Giamatti as Chris as Santa Claus." 
Yeah. But it, it's is terrible. it bad? Four Christmases okay. is actually better than it. Okay. So, because that's Seth uh, yeah. Seth Gordon, who uh, King of King, King of Kong Wars. fame, yeah, and horrible bosses, I guess, horrible yeah. Bosses. But anyways, um, yeah, that Vince Vaughn just way too many Christmas movies. Um, yeah, you're right. There's not, there's no one now that like feels like I have to watch this because there's, there's even been years where like I didn't watch get to into watching Elf and I didn't feel like oh it's not Christmas, but um, I I'm I'm more like now as I've gone gone older. I listen to more Christmas music now than I did as a kid or wanted to as a kid. So that's okay. like, that's where I get myself in the Christmas season or spirit is when I'm listening to Christmas music is the thing. Okay. So, yeah. But this is not a music well, there podcast. There you go. So we can't talk about No, those. yeah. So we're not allowed to talk about it. But Jerry Goldsmith, I mean, probably did some But great that's Christmas in a movie music. though, so. That's right. That's right. So that's where it's allowed. <laughs> but anyway, um, all right. Uh, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If you want to communicate with us, email Ryan at okvideo.ca or Nathan at okvideo.ca or tweet at okvideopodcast. Uh, we are now on iTunes, so you can review us there if you feel inclined. I don't know that Spotify has reviews. I don't think so. No. But anyway, uh, next week we're looking at Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which was directed by Jay Lee Thompson and once again written by Paul Den. Until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. Bye-bye for now.